25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, hey, everybody. How y'all are? What's up? It is Tuesday. Can y'all believe it's Tuesday already? (laughs) Why do we always do that? Why do you always say, boy, it's already Tuesday. It's already Wednesday. You knew it was coming. What's the deal with everybody going, man, can you believe that it is July already? I mean, 2019's half gone. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. We kind of knew that would happen, didn't we, Roger? Yeah. If we paid attention to the calendar at all. (laughs) I I feel every billing cycle. (laughs) We know intimately it's July. That's right. We're in billing cycle seven. Yeah, I knew as soon as my electric bill came in, <laughs> you know, electricity bill. Yeah, here I am. That's a great uh, Simon and Garfunkel song. A line from it: "The only living boy in New York." Here I am. Look that one up. Great song. All right, here we are. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents you deal with one-on-one, face-to-face. Roger's here also. Where's my button to commemorate Roger's presence? Where is that thing? I got it around here somewhere. Did I get rid of it? I have a Mr. Roger's neighbor. Lord of mercy, Roger. The other hosts are laughing at you, man. They sure are. Roger, I am really upset right now because I had a Mr. Roger's neighborhood uh, music here on my iPad to play every now and then, you know? You've heard it on Uh-oh. the show? It's gone. There's a, there's a little girl been playing. Games, oh, here it is. Uh-oh. Here it is. I, right. It's just me. I don't know where to look. I got a new setup in the office. Look at here. We got a text to um, start the show. Unnamed texter says, Maddie. It feels good knowing we've got college football next month. That's the best thing about July, isn't it? And you know what? Let me, on that note, let me start you off with something, because I made a promise on yesterday's show and didn't come through. Do you remember that, Roger? Yes. You promised that lady. I promised that lady that we would hear the JSU Sonic Boom on the show and never played a lick of it yesterday. So now, here, get a mouthful of this. I don't have hair, but 
but it's standing up. What I do have is, yeah. Dad, come it is that good. Thank you to the JSU Sonic Boom starting us off right. Kind of putting everything in the mood here in the middle of the day for you as we are uh, the second day of July. I do have football for you in today's show. Lots of it, in fact. I've been studying some film, doing some film study stuff. Um, got a little, you know, side gig <laughs> as a football analyst. And um, yesterday I posted a video. It's on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Also, just check my Twitter feed. There's links there, at Radio Wyatt. And I'm on YouTube also. Look me up. I posted all of this. A film study kind of looking at Isaiah Zuber, the wide receiver transfer for Mississippi State. So that video is up. And just a little while ago, I posted links. Again, look at my Twitter. You know, I was just thinking, Roger, about 15 years ago, what kind of looks would you get from people if you said, hey, look at my Twitter? No, take a look at my Twitter feed. Uh, there's a link there to some videos from today. I've been watching Jake Fromm. You know, I'll, I'll do the July-August thing of two months of watching quarterbacks around the SEC and football teams around the SEC and going back and look at spring stuff and all that. And, and Jake Fromm, quarterback Georgia. What do y'all think about Jake Fromm? I watched a little of his stuff, posted a video that one thing I see about him is he has that quality that you want. All successful quarterbacks have this. All the good ones do. And that is that ability to not let a negative thing start to pile up, start to beat you twice. You know, you don't play the same play twice. Easy for me to say. You bounce back. You know, something bad happens. You take a sack or you throw an interception and you immediately wipe the slate clean. Just forget it completely. It has no effect on your mood or outlook and you immediately just wipe it clean and move on to the next play. That is a key characteristic of good quarterbacks. Those of us who weren't that good, sometimes you struggle with that. You know, you let that thing linger in your mind. How did I? I can't believe I made that mistake. You know, you can't do that as a QB. And he has that ability to bounce back. And I illustrate that with some plays in three different games for Jake Fromm from Georgia. LSU, Alabama, Florida, all three of those games, he showed that ability. On one play, something bad, the very next play, boom, something really good. He, you know, So check that out if you're interested. I think Jake Fromm might be in for an interesting year, potentially a really good year. People are talking about him in terms of being a pro prospect. And coming up in Hour 2, I want to dive into something because in researching Jake Fromm from Georgia, some other things pop up just that resonated with me. You know, you look at statistically, stats don't show you everything. But they are very important in terms of quarterback play. They will give you an indication of consistency and effectiveness and just making plays and all that kind of stuff. So in hour two, I'm going to take a look at it because some of these numbers show you that there's some misconceptions out there about some quarterbacks. And also there's a, a similarity with a lot of quarterbacks who are drafted in the first round, something that you can point to that makes you wonder if a guy like Jake Fromm is a first-round type quarterback. Now, he's certainly built that way. He's certainly be promoted that way. But I wonder if he really is. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Again, that's coming up in Hour 2. 
Listen, if you want to be a part of the show, you can be. It's easy to do. You can uh, text the show, 885-ESPN. That is the number, 885-ESPN. That's a 601 area code. And um, you can also call the show. I'd love to hear your voice today on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. 995-1059. That also a 601 number, so... Give me a shout. Let me hear your voice. 995-1059. Roger, if we get a phone call, just you have to let me know in my Real ear. Good. Yeah. And then uh, we'll chat it up. Also, uh, heads up, coming up, today is team number 60. Believe it or not, if the math is correct, we are 60 days from August the 31st when Ole Miss State and Southern Miss are going to put the ball on the tee and play football. 60 days. Today is team number 60. And there's a def- with today's team, there's a definite tie-in to something that's going to happen around here in 60 days. So that's coming up on the show. Looking forward to that. A huge night in Major League Baseball last night for a guy who uh, played his college ball here in the state of Mississippi. Tied a Major League record. I'll tell you what that is. How about all these teases? See, I'm giving you all these teases. But here's what I want you to be aware of right now. There's a guy who has been a part of Birmingham Sports Radio for a long time. Not as much on the air. He's done some on-air stuff, but more behind the scenes. Smart guy, good guy, nice guy. Gotten to know him a little bit over the years. Speak to him a few times. I, I think a lot of him. His name is Pat Smith. Pat used to be... Back, um, he was kind of one of the um, original crew behind the scenes of the Paul Feinbaum show when Paul Feinbaum of SEC Network fame got his start on Birmingham radio. I say got his start, his start was that he was a writer, but he got his start in Birmingham radio. And, um, there's a lot of things that are interesting about that, including tying right in with uh, the zone there in, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, surrounding areas. But anyway, his producer, one of his major producers, for all those years during the um, growth of the Paul Feinbaum show was Pat Smith. And now Pat is working behind the scenes with one of the shows there on WJOX in Birmingham. Does a good, really good job. And Pat put together a graphic and put this out on Twitter yesterday. With the records along beside each team from the SEC, regular season conference records since SEC expansion, 2012. So we're going back, which seems like ancient times. How about that? Seven years ago now, since Missouri and Texas A&M came into the league. Time really does fly, doesn't it? Yeah, so since 2012 expansion, here comes Missouri A&M. Regular season conference records in the Southeastern Conference. Football. We all know, without a shadow of a doubt, no question, and and you and I and a blind man know that it's Alabama at the top. Since 2012, Alabama is 51-5. and So they have the best conference record. This is SEC record. Number two. Georgia, 
41 and 15. Number three, LSU, 36 and 20. Number four, Florida, 35 and 21. Now, think about since expansion, SEC records, Florida has the the fourth best since 2012. Does that surprise you, given what you think and know about Florida, with Will Muschamp and then Jim McElwain and one year under Dan Mullen? You think of Florida as, oh, boy, they kind of fell off. No, no. We forget that Jim McElwain had him in the SEC championship game two or three years in a row or whatever the heck it was. They still fired him. (laughs) So the actual wins and losses, regardless of whether they're pretty or not, for Florida are fourth best in the SEC since expansion. Fifth best in the SEC since expansion, Texas A&M, the new guy. At 30 and 26. And then right after that, you have three teams tied for sixth place at an even 500 in the SEC Mississippi State, 28 and 28. South Carolina, 28 and 28. And Auburn at an even 500, 28 and 28. That'd be tied for sixth. At number nine in the SEC is Missouri. They have a losing record in conference play, 27 and 29. Number 10 is Ole Miss, 10 games below 500 in the SEC, 23 and 33. These are since expansion. And the bottom four in the league Vanderbilt, 18 and 38. Kentucky, 17 and 39. Tennessee, next to last. At 17 and 39, tied with Kentucky. And at the very bottom of the league, last, the worst (laughs) SEC record since conference expansion, Arkansas, 13 wins and 43 losses. What do you think about that? Does anything surprise you? I'll be honest, when I glanced at it yesterday and saw it for the first time, stacking them up, here are your conference records since expansion. Number one, I was a little surprised to see Arkansas dead last. You know, you think about Vanderbilt, their struggles. You think about Kentucky and Tennessee. And obviously Tennessee is a surprise for somebody my age. But to see Arkansas dead last and only 13 SEC wins in seven years. That's hard to imagine. That kind of was like, double take. Also, Ole Miss, 10 games below 500, 23 and 33 since conference expansion. And see, that's with years in there where they were beating everybody. That's, That's during a time when Ole Miss had teams, the only teams to beat Alabama twice. Alabama's best SEC record since 2012 at 51 and 5, and two of their five losses were to Ole Miss, a team that wound up 10 games below 500 in the conference themselves. Figure that one out. <laughs> I mean, we know the exact details of who played and how it happened, and Bo Wallace and Sinquez Golson making plays in Oxford, and then Chad Kelly making plays 
dunking the ball off somebody's helmet for a touchdown in Tuscaloosa. We know. But still, Arkansas, the worst team in terms of league record during that time, and they have a bunch of wins over Ole Miss. It's crazy how some teams have other teams' numbers. Not surprised to see State at even 500, but probably a little surprised that it's Auburn who's in a tie with State right there in those seven years, 28-28. I mean, you're talking about an Auburn team that won a national championship with Cam Newton in 2010. And so for the next decade after winning a national title, they've been... Um, they've been middle of the pack. They were not able to capitalize on that and win the games and be consistent enough to be in that top three or four. Now, we all know, all right, the SEC is the best conference in America. So if you're in the upper half of the league and 500 or better in that league, especially in the SEC West when you're playing Alabama and LSU every year, number one and number three, then you've done something. That's pretty it's a it's an accomplishment, I think, for Dan Mullen, who in the last ten years built that Mississippi State program to what it is. But Auburn was already established. Tommy Tuberville had it rolling. Chiswick comes in there, wins a national title in 2010, and since then, starting in 2012, they're an even 500. They have not capitalized somehow. Over here on the text line, 885 ESPN. <clears throat> says Matt, as a former quarterback, do you see Joe Burrow as a player that can get LSU over the hump? Listen, they are saying all the right things at LSU here in the offseason. Everybody does, pretty much. You know, they're talking about scoring a lot of points. You know, they have a new face in the offensive room, but also some familiar faces hanging around. And... um I just what I see with Joe Burrow is I don't see someone who himself is the the takeover player. You know, you say, can Joe Burrow get him over the hump? It's not going to be Joe Burrow. It better be Burrow along with a lot of others. And I know you're going well. We know that, Matt. I, what I'm trying to illustrate to you is, I mean, Joe Burrow is not. Cam Newton, who's that individual player going to take over games and get his team over the hump. That's not who he is or who he's going to be. He's going to make some plays, yeah. But, you know, he needs help around him. They've got to be a well-oiled machine around him. He's got to get the ball to the playmakers. That'll be his job. He's not Kyler Murray, who is the playmaker himself. Right? Is that an unfair comparison? But I'm just making a point. Nick on the text line says, Tennessee and Arkansas should be kicked out of the league for finishing behind Vandy. Think about that for a minute. In the last seven years, (laughs) Vandy has one more conference win than Kentucky and Tennessee. And listen, I saw somewhere today, who tweeted it? Maybe it was from one of the shows in Birmingham, but somebody tweeted that they'd made a comment, an evaluation, that Mark Stoops at Kentucky is going to be the next Dan Mullen. I took that to mean, you know, he's going to take his program to new heights and then parlay that into getting a a top 10 type job in America as a head coach. 
well, my gosh, how long has he been at Kentucky? When's he going to do it? When's that start? Dan Mullen took over Mississippi State in 2009 at the bottom of the SEC. One of the worst rosters overall. Smallest stadium, worst facilities, least fan support. The first year sold out the stadium and won only five games. But year two, won nine games and beat the brakes off of Michigan in the Gator Bowl. Year two, and never looked back. That was year two, 2010. Yep. Year six or five or six, he had his team at number one in the country. Players getting drafted, bowl games every year, never really took a step back. Only had a couple of years they had to fight to get into a bowl game right at the end. But, you know, I mean, Stoops has been at Kentucky that whole time. And they're sitting there in that same time frame, a good 11 wins fewer than what State racked up during the same time frame. So if he's going to be the next Dan Mullen, when's he start? Is it ain't yet? <laughs> they had a good year last year, one year. If he's going to be the next Dan Mullen, he better hurry up. <laughs> Just the way it is. All right, more on this. I get to your texts. Your phone calls welcome on the Divinity Equipment phone nine nine five one zero five nine. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. I guess if you check my Twitter, the coaching doesn't seem real hard. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Give me a shout. Divinity Equipment Phone, 995-1059. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Just see what Adam Frazier did last night for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Adam Frazier from Athens, Georgia, played his college ball at Mississippi State. Did he go to JUCO first? I don't remember. Doesn't really matter. Adam was the shortstop in that 2013 College World Series team. Adam Frazier last night for the Pirates went five for six with four doubles in a game, batting leadoff for the Pirates. The Pirates beat the Cubs 18 to five. He tied a major league record with four doubles. Man. Roger. I still can't give a call screen up, so just tell me if somebody calls. That's fine. Okay, we'll do. We'll get, we'll get it figured out. All right. Um, back on the uh, football conversation, I got a couple of texts here that I would like to read. JR texted and said, Coach Cut had a winning SEC record. The next four coaches after all have had below 500 conference records. Yeah, the longer time goes on, the more 
I think it is illustrated that David Cutcliffe was a good football coach and did a good job at Ole Miss and was doing a good job and was evaluating talent pretty well. Some people wanted him out of there because he didn't make enough splash, enough of a splash in recruiting. Recruiting rankings weren't high enough or whatever. And um, we see what that has led to. But heartache. He's a good football coach. Yeah, highly thought of. Done a heck of a job at Duke. Got himself a quarterback drafted in the first round, Daniel Jones. Sure did. Um, <clears throat> Tim, now, Tim, I'm getting to your text here, and it's back-to-back. Okay, you said, it's nice to hear you coming around a little bit for Joe Burrow. Keep watching. And you said, it's funny when Joe Burrow first started his college games at LSU, you didn't think much of him at all hardly even an average quarterback, and now you're comparing him to some of the best quarterbacks the SEC has ever had. I guess that's a compliment to old Joe. No, I, I think – I don't know that I'm on the same page with you. I I mean, if you go back in in to last year, even before he played at LSU, when he transferred there from Ohio State, and I – well, you know, I talked about that and worked on and put together, you know, the film study thing of his time at Ohio State. You didn't have a ton of examples, but some. I think what I showed then was that he looked to me to be like a guy that could really handle himself. He ran the ball well. He was a good athlete for 6'4", and he was smart with the football. You know, timing was something like he did a good job getting a ball out, something LSU needed very badly. And I think I pointed that out. I mean, you know, for you, Tim, to think that what I was saying was he was hardly an average quarterback – I just don't remember at all having that opinion of him. And if I didn't have that opinion of him, then I don't think I would have voiced that opinion of him. <laughs> I mean, you say barely an average. I thought, he did a, I thought he did a good job. You could tell last year was year one in a new system. You could tell that he's not a takeover player. But just because you're not some elite first-round takeover type player at quarterback doesn't mean that you're below average. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, a little hit or miss. I mean, but. And then you say, okay, now I'm comparing him to some of their best. That's not what I'm doing. Again, I think that's an example of hearing something you want to hear. I, I, what I said is I, I use some of those other guys who are the best as an example of what he's not. That's what I said. I said, Cam, he's not a Cam Newton. And, and again, it's not fair to make that comparison, probably. Cam Newton is Superman, all right? He's 6'6", 260 with a 34 waist and runs a 4'5". We're not going to see anybody like that anytime soon. But the point I'm making is Newton was this individual guy who at the quarterback position would just take over games and himself elevated Auburn to the national title. That same year, 2010, that was the year that Auburn went to State with Cam Newton and beat State 17-14. to It was a good game. State had that great defense, K.J. Wright and all those players. And they won nine games, you know, or ten games or whatever it was, their ninth or tenth wins when they ran Michigan out of the Gator Bowl. A lot of people have said over the years 
And I think it's true. If State had gotten Cam Newton, maybe they would have had to pay him. But if they'd gotten him, they would have won the national championship. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Cam Newton on that 2010 team and State would have won it? Do you believe that? I actually, I, I can fall in line with that. He's that kind of player. Okay, so the question was, Tim, on the text line, I don't know who it was from, but 10 minutes after the show started, it was, do you see Joe Burrow as a player that can get LSU over the hump? Well, maybe they get over the hump and maybe they do it with Joe Burrow, but it's not going to be just because of him because he's not that kind of player. So, yeah, I compared him to Cam Newton, but just to say he ain't that kind of takeover player. <laughs> and see, that's how stuff gets started on Twitter and on everywhere else. And somebody hear that and go, Matt was comparing Joe Burrow to some of the best QBs they've ever had in the SEC. No, I wasn't. Not in that connotation. <laughs> Stop putting stuff in my mouth, Tim. <laughs> no. Felt like I wanted to explain that a little further. Does that make sense? Hit me up. Let me know. 885-ESPN. 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Here's another thing. Jason, who listens to this show, he texts the show, he tweets the show all the time, has forever taken up for and kind of gone to bat for Kevin Sumlin. He, in fact, he tweeted me the other day about Kevin's. We were doing Arizona, and, you know, Kevin Sumlin's coaching now at Arizona. And he tweeted me and said, you know, Kevin Sumlin will be talking about him. He's going to do good at Arizona. Well, I mean, look, Texas A&M came to the SEC and have the fifth best record in that time frame since they came into the league, 30 and 26. Two more wins in the league in that time frame than Auburn and Mississippi State. And so what does that say about A&M? You know, and I saw, I think it was on Twitter, when this came out yesterday from Pat Smith over in Birmingham, there were some Texas fans who jumped in there and goes, so let me get this straight. A&M was middle tier in the Big 12. They go to the SEC and they're middle tier. Well, let me ask you a question. Texas A&M just had, what, number one or number two recruiting class in the country. You think they'd do that in the Big 12? You think some of those Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M teams are middle tier in the Big 12? No. They came to the SEC and immediately got better. It immediately improved their recruiting profile. And I got news for you. Finishing, you know, a handful of wins behind... LSU and Alabama <laughs> is pretty doggone salty when you're in that SEC West. There's just not a more delusional, more non-realistic fan base in the universe than Texas Longhorns fans. That's the truth. They're riding high because they beat we beat Georgia in a bowl game. Woohoo! You know what? You know how interested Georgia was in that bowl game? None. I don't like I, Texas fans, man. Bless their hearts. All right, stick around. Long ways to go. Knock him out, John. Woo! 
this man's killing me. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Man, oh man, it won't be long now. Like that monkey who sat his tail on a railroad track, it won't be long now. That's JSU Sonic Boom. Football coming to you soon. 60 days, in fact. Woo! Yeah. Say what, Roger? It's been 10. Yeah, it is. It won't be long. So we are 60 days until August the 31st. So let's continue the countdown of 100 teams in the 100 days. We're at day number 60. So team number 60 on the countdown. Also Tigers, not the JSU Tigers, but the Tigers from Memphis. Here they are. What's their band sound like? Not bad. What do you think of Memphis's fight song, Roger? It's okay. Kind of got a 20s or 30s feel to it. Yeah. It's just okay. That's what it is. So, Memphis. Here's some alumni. Here's some Memphis alumni for you. Steven Guskowski, the kicker for the Patriots. Now, isn't Guskowski... Gus Gustkowski, Guskowski, <laughs> isn't he from Jackson? I can swear that he is. Seems like he. Let's see. Said he was. Well, I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, he went to Madison Central. He oh, is. Okay. He yeah, he was born in Baton Rouge, Roger. But. Um, Went to uh, Madison Central. Yeah. Then to Memphis, turned himself into a big-time pro. Penny Hardaway, we know about that. Fred Thompson, the actor. Dixie uh, Dixie Carter from Designing Women, remember her? Fred Thompson was on that hunt for Red October. That's right. He was. Fred Thompson. Also a senator, right? He was also a senator. And a hot young wife. Mm-hmm. Dixie Carter, who played Julia Sugarbaker on the show Designing Women, was she was a University of Memphis grad. She passed away in 2010. Yep. That was a great show, Designing Women. Let's see, any others? Man, I did not realize that Dan Ugla went to Memphis. The baseball player, former Atlanta Brave, former Washington National. Yeah, Dan Ugla. 
Of course, Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, yeah. Did you grow up watching Mid-South Wrestling? Oh, yeah. So Mid-South Wrestling had Jerry Lawler, right? Who was that comedian? Uh, was it Andy Kaufman? Andy Kaufman. Who, who uh, kind of messed with Jerry. Jerry didn't like uh, being taken lightly. Right. And I could never... That was one... I feel like a lot of Jerry Lawler's scuffles with Andy Kaufman were more real than the wrestling he was doing. Yeah, I think so, too. You feel the same way? Yeah. I mean, it looked that I think that he way. really hurt the guy. I do, too. I think he really messed him up. <laughs> <laughs> but can you blame him? The guy was just like... It's nuts. He, he, was really a, was. he was a nut job, wasn't he? Put him and, a, him and Robin Williams in a padded room and come back in a while. Yeah. Okay, so Walt has texted the show and says that John the Bull Bramlett is Walt's cousin, and he was one of Memphis's best ever, an NFL defensive lineman. I don't know what that last thing, Bonacati trade? Did he get traded from Bonacati? Who's that? <laughs> I'll have to look that one up. Be careful, man. <laughs> it, I, here's something I'm going to say about this show and and this radio platform, Roger, is that when I came along last year, about this time last year, in fact, well, I don't know when we started. We started in August, didn't we? But anyway, when I came along there for a little while, Roger kept warning me, hey, man, I want to proofread some of that before you just blurt it out on the air. <laughs> he might not have said that in those exact words. but And then I did it. Well, you did. You did. It got you. Got but that's me. okay. At least it, was, it could have been a lot worse, as, the, as, the, as they say. Yeah. All right. Joel just texted the show, Roger, and he said that Jerry Lawler said in his book that Andy Kaufman wanted all the scuffles to be authentic. Well, I think they were. <clears throat> we're still talking about it, huh? Look, I mean, shock. It's one of the things. He probably, and, and wrestling in general, I'm just going to say this. Since we're, we're doing Memphis, we're previewing Memphis, and one of their most esteemed grads is Jerry the King Lawler, wrestler. Look, I'm going to say this. Wrestling figured it out probably before everybody else that, sure, people are going to raise an eyebrow and call you names and whisper about you behind your back. But in the meantime, you're going to make millions and billions of dollars out of shocking people. You are, that's it. You just, just shock. That's what you want, right? Just shock people. Jumping off ropes, landing in the stand. It didn't have to be real. All that trash talking. That, that the was the best. The best. I wish, that, I wish that coaches would do that before the football game. I know. <laughs> Get up there. All the coaches. Do you know how many people? I mean, the general public, I, the farther I go, it's the same in sports media. Roger, listen. Stephen A. Smith is a multi-millionaire and almost has almost never just quietly said something brilliant. <laughs> outrage. It's outrage and entertainment. That's what, and listen, maybe the joke's on us 
Because I'm like, well, I need to be responsible. And if it's if I think it's true, say it. If I don't, say it. You know, just be honest all the time. Stop trying to be, you know, don't go out here and try to be shock jock. But maybe the joke's on us. Maybe the thing to do is to be as outrageous as you possibly can be. And look, here's the thing about it in 2019. If you can't be cleverly outrageous, just use bad language. <laughs> right? Just be outrageous by saying this bad word and this cuss word and, and typing it on Twitter and say it into the camera and, and look, you're cool because you can cuss. That's where we are in 2019. So, Even presidential candidates. Even presidential candidates. If you can't be uniquely, cleverly outrageous to get attention then just cuss. <laughs> That's what that is. It's like, you know, it's like Seinfeld is genuinely cleverly funny. Therefore, really no need for this bad word and that bad word. But the same is true in media. But maybe they figured it out first. Just be outrageous. I guess some people can and some people can't. Some people can do that and sleep well at night and others can't. The Memphis Tigers football team, they also play Eye of the Tiger. They have a pretty good version of Eye of the Tiger they play at Memphis, if you've never heard it. Shadow boxing time. <laughs> the Memphis Tigers went 8-6 and six last year and finished 5-3 and three in the AAC. They got a pretty good little rivalry with some of those AAC teams going on, like Houston and... UCF, they've had some knockdown dragouts with UCF in the past. This year, Memphis and Ole Miss will play at 11 a.m. on ABC 60 days from today on August the 31st. They will start the season. They're going to host Navy this year in Memphis up in the Liberty Bowl Stadium. Um, last year, you'd have to say last year's big win for them would have probably been over Houston. I mean, they had a great game in the uh, AAC title game and lost 56 to 41 to UCF. Roger, the first college game I ever played in for Mississippi State was at Memphis at Liberty Bowl Stadium. It was a million degrees, even though the game was at night. Family up there burning up. No still nights for the yeah. air wasn't moving like a wet blanket. Yeah, I was a freshman. A hot and wet blanket. I was a freshman. I was not the starter. And apparently I had won the backup quarterback job and didn't know it. <laughs> because when uh, Derek Tate, our starter in that game, rolled his ankle, this is in 96, they put me in the game. So I got to play in my first game ever. It was at Memphis. I remember I threw a completion to Lamont Woodbury across the middle. He had to jump up in the air to catch it. And they kind of hit him and spun him around. And when they did... His helmet kind of came loose, and it tore his ear halfway off. Ouch. Yeah, they took him in the locker room and stitched him up. And then second half, ran him back out there. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, his ear was like, I'm talking, it was, he almost lost the whole thing. True. my dying on it. <laughs> Get that back out there. <clears throat> Run back out there. You'll be all right. Stop the bleeding. Stick around. <laughs> 